Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Okay, so it's week one. Literally, it is week one when I'm recording this. Uh, as of always, I'm on the Dynasty Crossroads. Most uh, most things, actually, I like to play it behind the schedule. There's waiver wire shows, there's AMAs, there's start sit conversations, there's trade advice. And these days, everyone's got all of those all lined up for you. If you're interested and you're looking for one of those things, I actually do recommend DLS YouTube channel. You can find it literally by typing DLF or Dynasty League Football into YouTube or by following any of the links on mine or any other DLF uh, content creators um, stuff on our Twitters, on on our articles, whatever else. Um, That's mainly because they've got weekly advice. I like I know it's not the new hip platform, but I really like watching YouTube videos in between breaks uh, while I'm working on other stuff. And the fact they're doing uh, live streaming and actually recording shows on there is actually pretty interesting to me because I prefer listening to podcasts as I walk, as I drive. Obviously, like like all us degenerates, but um, it's nice to have another opportunity. And YouTube's so just easy to find and everywhere. It's, I've been experimenting with it a lot the last few weeks. This off season, I've started my own channel. And yeah, you can follow that too if you like, but I'm not plugging, just I think it's pretty cool because some of those are live and you can do live AMAs. Um, I've always tried to stay behind the timeline for a lot of different reasons. This is both from rookie analysis to undrafted free agents. That's kind of where I spend a lot of my time. So it kind of fits. Like I don't want to tell you what just happened in these games and what it means. More without a pressing time clock, what might have been missed, what's maybe a little underrated about what's just happened. And so those Wednesday shows on YouTube, I think, uh, fit into that mold. And the Dynasty Crossroads, is always I've always used it in season that way. It's more not who's who to go get in the waiver wire, but who might still be on the waiver wire that you might want to keep an eye on or might want to add just in case someone forgot. Um, to that end, though, where it's week one, I don't have any of that stuff to talk about. I saw the Thursday game, and, and similar, by the way, I did not rush out to go get all my data to push into my spreadsheet and say, who got the target share? Instead, I went and looked at 2021 week one target share, game one, um, and both teams involved and show how much it fluctuated over the next five games because, I don't know, I, maybe it's just, it feels weird that the lazy thing is uh, often the smarter thing because it may but it is. It's a lot better to adjust your assumptions based on what we just saw, especially in game one, especially in week one, especially in week two, than it is to throw out our assumptions and, and take the first thing we see or the first things we see in the 2021 season um, as the new normal, as the truth. Um, and for me, that's how I say it. I think that advice is out there a lot. You know, you don't want to, you want to adjust, but you don't want to adjust too much. And the way the heuristic uh, to steal Adam Hardstead's uh, methodology in fantasy football. And for that, for me, what, how I'm able to adjust to new information instead of completely revolutionize the way I thought the season was going to go is exactly that phrase. I want to adjust my, exp- uh, my assumptions where necessary, but I'm not going to throw them out. For example, Mari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb 
Like, there, that was a lot of targets. Like I say, I haven't collected it, but I know how many. That, that was a lot of targets, but in a game that we kind of thought would be a shootout. And incidentally, coincidentally, maybe, because uh, my strengths are schedule system now on Patreon, and I'm probably going to end up writing for DLF every week, and on the Patreon, um, is... Uh, essentially attempting to be descriptive rather than predictive because I don't think we can get a predictive strength of schedule. I just don't think we can. I think that's why they fail. Uh, outside of sharp football, um, I, I haven't seen any that have gone close to doing a decent job. Um, and so I'm going for more of a descriptive format, which is how much volume teams are allowing above an opponent's average over the last so many weeks. Right now, it's based purely on 2020, obviously. Um, and how efficient... Uh, on a per attempt basis, um, teams were at defending um, on an unexpected points model basis um, against passing and rushing. So I'm just looking at whether it's a strong pass or uh, a strong rush defense purely based on the volume that it's allowing, whether it's allowing above average or below average volume for that for those opponents on a week-to-week basis and whether they're over or underperforming their own expectations. So perhaps coincidentally, week one, it perfectly explained the New England game in that um, Tampa Bay was allowing a lot more volume than most teams per their opponent's average, but it was uh, it was producing below-level efficiency in both passing and rushing. And in fact, it allowed less rushing than it did pass, below-average passing um, a below average rushing volume, above average passing volume, and below average efficiency on, uh, in both sides of the on both sides of the game, and that's I think what we played at. I mean, again, it's the strength of schedule, so it's probably just coincidental. But that's one of the things I noticed from what I made um, for this season that seemed to be pretty interesting in terms of the game one result. Anyway, back to CD Lamb, Mario Cooper. That's a lot of targets. I think the signal there is. Uh, our initial read this offseason was right. Amari Cooper didn't evaporate. In fact, he was, um, I think he scored the most points um, for Dallas uh, of anyone, really, and um, had an amazing game. So did C.D. Lamb, though. Um, Michael Gallup got hurt, but it didn't really seem to be a product of that. Actually, he seemed to be getting a lot of sh- more shorter targets than he was last year. Again, I haven't looked through the data, just as experience in the game uh, not because Michael Gallup is hurt, but because of what I saw play out in that first game. I think maybe I was a little low on what C.D. Lamb could do. I still don't think he's a top 12 wide receiver because I'm adjusting my expectation, not throwing it out. Because Amari Cooper is still very much the one there. And I expect, I think I should come up on my expectation for C.D. Lamb just a little bit. And, and overall, my read seems good. Uh, I don't think Michael Gallup going down is going to produce a lot more targets for someone else. I, I, I fantasy players just like stop being so thirsty if we have two incredible wide receivers on a team unfortunately Michael Gallup looks like he's going to be out for at least five or six weeks with a car strains last injury update I saw then like that's more than at least 10 of the teams in the end stop being so thirsty for which tight end is going to help out none none you have two amazing skill position players plus Ezekiel Elliott will bounce back for the rest of the season stop being so third you don't need more stop wanting more you stop it like those are your two Ezekiel Elliott and and Dak Prescott like that's more than enough stop being like stop anyway um so that's without even digging through it or making wide-scale changes to what I understand even though again I have to say I think our read on the situation pretty much played out in week one 
for this particular team. But still, adjusting a little bit to what we saw will move CeeDee Lamb up a little bit or expect that he could be usable a lot more weeks if he can get that kind of split with Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper is still the one because we're adjusting, not throwing out our expectations. Despite CeeDee Lamb having a fairly amazing game, someone's going to mention catch rate down the line. Don't just, 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 just ignore it. What do I have for you other than this long diatribe about stuff um, before we've even seen the first slate of games? We do around here, which is thinking about building better processes and improving our process. Um, so what I did uh, and I'm planning to do every uh, Saturday is I put out a, hey, start, sit, questions, ask them. And that's not because I think I'm a genius at it. They're just opinions. If you want someone to break down a matchup or talk about cornerback matchups, we've got Evan Silver. You're good. Go read his column. It's amazing. We've got so many people who are good at watching and understanding the game and how it works out. I'm just like a fake nerd with an abacus. I don't even have a calculator. It's basically an abacus over here compared to some of the nerds. And I know averages. I know what happens more and less often. And I'm shooting for a process. I know that's weird to a lot of people, but it has a lot of positive results. And at least it gives you a framing device, I find, for making as well, essentially week-to-week decisions with so much variance built in that, you know, good players get a 60% flip of the coin, whereas most of us are stuck with like a 50-52% flip. Where am I? Um, anyway, I put out that thread and it literally took all day. I didn't know. The reason I put it out is just to get an idea of where some people's heads were, maybe see some reoccurring themes, and just develop some things I, thoughts I have about start-sit decisions. This might not even drop before you have to submit your final lineup. I understand that. Again, just begging you to understand that the Dynasty Crosser, especially week one, is a little weird. Because we like to run behind the schedule a little bit. Look for lesser known potential. Um, um, but anyway, that thread really helped me out. Just get me in the headspace of making start-sit decisions that aren't my team. Because it's awfully difficult to see what might be your start-sit decision. So I wrote down some notes um, while answering those questions, um, and I want to run through them just to give you a general idea of my process when answering them and also when making them for myself. I think based on the questions I got, and I got a lot, thank you very much for that. By the way, I didn't mean to make that sound like a chore. I'm really grateful for everyone that responded to the thread to give me a chance to try and understand other people's struggles with start-sits this week. Um, and then I want to end the episode in like five statements. I actually only have four. I'm hoping I think about the fifth by the time we get to the end of this in 10 minutes. Um, so five things I think right now, very early, might be um, worth knowing just as a process for making flex and start-sit decisions and might be true about the 2021 season, having only seen one game. So presumably, since I'm recording this literally Sunday morning, technically, really early Sunday morning, um, you already know if half of them are true and so I think that might be an interesting interesting thing come back next week hey look I got all of those wrong wow that's interesting what can we do to adjust um our understanding of 2021 to that all right so uh yeah here's my flex thought decisions I need a I need drops flex thoughts decisions yeah uh, yeah that's it all right um first up uh, a recurring player and all those questions DJ Moore starts for me this week people um i i think i can make that strong statement fairly strongly because most of the questions i got dj moore in and um, it was really i understood why you would be torn on him and t higgins and him and 
chase in some cases or him and chark which was not difficult ones um but DJ Moore, for me, in my projections, he's a top, potential top 12 wide receiver this week. He's part of that article I wrote with Michael Zingzoni as well. And I mentioned him as one of my uh, underrated starts this week. We we average our projections and then talk about three one start for every position that we think might be a little underrated or a little, little less noticed um, for DLF. Um, and DJ Moore... I think DJ Moore made the cut for mine, um, but the the comments were definitely in there. I think the reason DJ Moore projects lower in most projection system, most ranking surfaces, is because we've got the three way triumvirate. You know, Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, and Michael Gallup. But in in, in Carolina, it's DJ Moore. Yeah, it's uh, Robbie Anderson and Terrence Marshall, and so it's split a little bit, and he's falling in projections for that. One, I'm not the biggest. I think we know I'm fairly out outside. At first round value, I'm out on Terrence Marshall. He got picked up in second round value in Dynasty Rookie Drafts this season, which I'm... That's, that was a really good pick. Like, everything's about how much or where in ADP, right? Um, I, I definitely see the potential, but more often than not, in most questions you get asked me, I am going to be much lower than your, you know, professional uh, or favorite analyst or probably yourself um, on Terrence Marshall. That's just where I'm at based on rookie evaluations. If you've listened to any of my rookie evaluations, probably pro- probably came across that because I got roasted for it all offseason. A lot. Anyway, um, so I'm less inclined to see a, a very heavy split between the three this season anyway. And also... Terrence Marshall's a rookie, so I just think week one might be one of those things where week one reminds us that rookies are rookies, DJ Moore's one of the most prolific yards producers, even if Sam Darnold can't help him out with touchdowns, and good lord, I mean, almost a jugs machine should be able to produce more touchdowns for Carolina than they've had recently, but anyway, um, and I think week one reminds us of that, DJ Moore is dominant he is the most productive player to not have a top 12 season by now in his career it's he looks really weird on that list i think we might underrate him because of that so dj moore in my vegas model which technically isn't my projection it's technically what vegas is producing but it's heavily based on my off-season assumptions right now so it's hard to say that and but um perfectly even averaging him out across four different projection agencies, he's still winding up being high enough projected that I came across no start-sit question with DJ Moore in it, where DJ Moore wasn't a very, not easy, but he was the winner um, or the guy I would start in that question without really having to sweat too much about, about it. Now, if you're talking about Stefan Diggs or a locked-in top-five wide receiver, that's, again, that's not where I think you'll be questioning if you should start DJ Moore or not. Um, hit me up on Twitter if you're not sure because you have this start and sit. Obviously, it might be after the game, but I can run through it afterwards and you can see if you are understanding exactly what I'm trying to say here. Outside of a top 12 wide receiver, like a per, like a player you just know is going to finish in the top 12, obviously there might be 12 different players in mine, but that's where I'm drawing the line. DJ Moore starts. Like I think he's at least a wide receiver too on most teams that he is on. And that would be my guess, which means he's in—he's not a flex option. He's not someone you decide to start or not. If you have him on your team, he should probably pretty much been starting outside of having both Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. Like that's that's where I'm at. 
All right, um, I'm not starting number two. I'm not starting Trevor Lawrence this week. No question that came across my desk, and I had a few of them, and made me tempted. Like, he's a rookie quarterback. That's just where I'm at. I'm going to let it... I don't... Yeah, I go matchups, and geniuses are breaking down. All that stuff. And, yeah, you got to play your gut. But for me, I came across no tempting situation in all of those start-sit questions where I'd be like, yeah, I'll roll the dice on a guy I've never seen play at the NFL. It's just, no. Uh, I don't think I start Trevor Lawrence in most decisions. Now, if you're listening to this and like, what, you want me to start, you know, uh, who's uh, Joe Flacco? That's my only other quarterback. No, man. I mean, if he's a starting quarterback this week who isn't, you know, literal bottom third of the league, like no one wants to start them, then I'm probably not starting Trevor Lawrence. I'm probably starting that other guy. Kirk Cousins, sure. Baker Mayfield, put him in the lineup. I'm probably not starting Trevor. Uh, In the same vein... Number three, Robbie Anderson sits for me. I came across no question where I was able to say, Stop Robbie Anderson, which I really desperately want to say because I love Robbie Anderson and I just talked about how I want to start DJ Moore and I'm not the biggest fan of Trevor Marshall's rookie profile. I'm sure as a a person, like I'm a big fan, but I don't know anything about him. Um... And Robbie Anderson just sits for me for that. I think he's a flex option, but I came across no flex question where he was the starter. Like, I, T. Higgins, yeah, start T. Higgins. DJ Chark, I would start Robbie Anderson over DJ Chark. That's a wet where my line is, but my line for DJ Chark is a lot lower than most. I would start Robbie Anderson over Michael Pittman. That's They weren't in the same question, but I remember being asked about Michael Pittman. I would start Robbie Anderson there. Roast me next week if Michael Pittman and Zachary will. Do not worry, the Dynasty Dummies got your back if Michael Pittman balls out this week. They will They will make sure I notice. Um, but yeah, uh, I, most situations I'm not start, starting Robbie Anderson. There's normally a better, even flex option. Uh, so far, number four, I think Swift is going to play. The team said he's going to play. His injury concerns haven't... It's been a weird offseason for Swift. I get it. So read the reports. I'm reading the reports carefully. Um, and if I get any inclination that the injury is a big issue or a bigger issue than I think right now, yeah, sit Swift. Other than that, Swift starts. He's a running back two minimum, and especially where we were drafting him, so I'm probably starting him this week. I came across no... Like, Swift was in a lot of weird start-sit decisions where I'm like, why would you not start swift there and then i realize it's because of people's uncertainty of whether he even plays or how much he plays week one right now i think he's playing and if he's playing i think he's playing full game um if not i understand again you got to play your gut but swift starts and most starts sit just where sit the questions that came across that thread uh number five are we on god uh, mark andrews has flex value i got a lot of interesting should i start this tight end at flex I don't know. Normally, I would say no, but this year, and with a pattern of top five tight ends being a little more usable in a flex question, not uh, the top two still really have the most value for the position. But yeah, there are more tight ends with a usable floor that is a little more consistent than wide receiver, um, but the ceiling is less challenging to wide receiver or running back. That yeah, Mark Andrews and that it all kind of had some flex value. Like I got a Mike Gesicki question, and I didn't choose Mike Gesicki. But I was tempted with it because some of those wide receivers, 
are not locked in flex options. Um, and in that situation, I think there are some tight ends making some interesting cases for themselves to be flex options. So again, that's the thing that Kate happened. I thought while answering these questions, so I'm throwing it out there. Number six, I guess. I just got a ranking here. I'm not entirely sure what it means, so let me see. Stafford equals Hertz. So Stafford and Hertz are about in the same range as me. I'm very excited to see what both of them do this range. I think they're locked in starters. But if you've got like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, like I'm starting those guys over it, but outside that elite class of, you know, just the guys, Russell Wilson, especially in the first half of the season. Yes, I can hear you say it already. Um, but yeah, uh, Hertz and Stafford start for me. Um, and they are slightly greater than the Ryan Herbert Burrow tier. Like I would start Stafford and Hertz over Ryan Herbert and Burrow, but Ryan Herbert and Burrow are in a tier of their own. I lent Burrow a lot. He's got a good matchup. I'm really excited to see what he does this year. Uh, Eckler is uh, less than Chubb, Henry, and Robinson for projections this week. Uh, projections don't typically lower players because of injury concerns, but um, I simplify it all when I'm most uncertain. It's just who do I think is going to touch the ball the most? And while Eckler usually gets the bump of having that t- target role, we're not quite so sure about that so far. And when you're looking at, you know, High-level opportunity running backs like Nick Chubb, who is in a split but has an excessive workload, like 55 to 60 percent, um, uh, with Kareem Hunt. Um, you, you can start uh, a Nick Chubb over Eckler this week if you're a little uncertain with his injury. I got a lot of injury uh, Eckler concern. Uh, Derek Henry, sure, even with just rushing, I think he's going to outtouch um, someone like Eckler this week. And James Robinson is very much a locked-in top 12 starter for me. Like he, Again, to put it in the same frame I did as those wide receivers, he's a top 12 running back. He's a running back too. He's not a flex option for me. If you have two running backs already, then he is your flex in most questions that I came across. Um, uh, Tyson Williams is uh, starts above wide receivers, but not above good to great wide receivers. I got a lot of Tyson Williams questions. Again, running backs get the floor, especially for flex decisions. So I'm starting Tyson Williams in a lot more questions than you I would have thought, where he's projected between 11 and 13 points by most projections agencies that I look at, including my own. And, and so, yeah, that floor of running back is just tempting. I think he's going to get a lot of rushing, or a lot compared to that team's rushing that it's going to give to the running backs anyway. And, and the most likely outside of Lamar Jackson to score a rushing touchdown. And so he, he's a really solid start this week. And don't start Houston or Detroit players, or I am not starting Houston or Detroit players. In fact, I'm starting players against Houston and Detroit in pretty much all situations. You know, ranks applicable, but yeah, just... I'm going to wait to see if they're complete garbage fires before I consider putting Brandon Cooks in a lineup. Just, just let's just, let's just not, all right? Uh, in the same way I'm sitting Marcus Calloway week one, I got no question of Marcus Calloway. As big a fan of I am as the undrafted free agent from last year actually hitting and that great preseason, just, just maybe sit him. Let's see how Winston is. Let's see how that team is um, for 2021. And also, just... Yeah, the if you've got Marcus Callaway, you've probably got players who are much better starts at wide receiver and at flex, I would hope.
that's that. That's that. That's most of my thoughts from that. Uh, not all of them, but we're running for time here. Uh, that's most of my thoughts uh, on start sit decisions from this week. Hopefully, that gave you some insight in, in, into making flex decisions. I try to include some. Let me know what you thought. And um, here are five things I think are true about 2021 right now, based on the off season and also based on having seen one game. Number one. Uh, and this is just a heuristic that I'm really surprised we haven't mentioned before. You flex running backs, guys. All the questions about, should I start this wide receiver or this wide receiver? No, in most cases, if you have a running back that you think is going to get 15 touches, that running back gets the edge as a flex decision because they have a ceiling. They can score touchdowns and catch passes too. Running backs win the flex. They just do. And the you know the boilerplate advice, especially when you get start-sit questions, is... Are you winning or losing? Like, if you just face Rob Gronkowski and Amari Cooper and and Dak Prescott and you're already 100 points behind, then maybe you want to think about flexing a wide receiver. But even then, and maybe just start the best team you can. In most cases, running backs win the flex decision. Number two, let's see if that works out because game one told us that running backs aren't even going to touch the ball. So let's see if that (laughs) is still true in 2021 because that's been the basic heuristic for flex decisions for like literally ever. And number two, don't start rookie wide receivers. Like just don't. Like not yet. All right. I, 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 that this is partly why you shouldn't have drafted them that high in dynasty, but we're not we're playing a longer game with young wide receivers, okay? Like, but most cases, sit your rookie wide receivers till you see something, and um, let's see if that plays out in twenty twenty one or if that sounds stupid in two weeks. And number three, dead zone running backs um, are drafted as starters, and they're starters until they are no longer starters. Does that make sense? If you drafted a running back round 4 to 10, you start them week 1. That's why they're dead zone running backs. And they have usable weeks. We're fairly confident in their workload. But they fail a lot. But if we're selectively choosing those few that are good, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, who turns out is going to have a better chance at recreating some of what he did that amazing rookie season, they're starters until they're not. If you paid... If you traded, if you drafted, if you ADP'd them in that range, like that's why we took them. Um, and so, yeah, week one, you are starting them more often than not. Mike Davis pretty much won every decision he was in in that thread. Like it was just, yeah, Mike Davis, that's why we, that's why. And if he sucks, and if the team's literally just not going to run the ball, or it's running back yet to be named for the Atlanta Falcons, then fine, well, I'll deal with that. But if he's on your roster right now, he's definitely a flex option. Well, outside of you having literally uh, James Robinson, Derek Henry, and Christian McCaffrey, like outside of top 12 running backs, um, Mike Davis starts. Uh, so does Kareem Hunt, so does James Robinson. That's the... And I think that's a good range to be thinking about those players. Those dead zone running backs all seem to be in that will they, won't they? So they feel like yes or should I week one questions. But like you, that's the problem with them. If you pay that higher price, if you draft that higher ADP with that hit or miss record of that range of ADP, that's a problem with them. But that doesn't mean we don't start. Otherwise, you definitely shouldn't have drafted them or traded for them at the price or not traded them away for less before the season got here. They're starters until we find out otherwise. Let's see if that sounds stupid in a week. Uh, number four, 2021 
is going to be a surprise because there's going to be less scoring. This is an off-season take that looks really stupid based on Game 1. It looked like, to me, in Thursday, that 2021 is going to be a rollover of 2020 where the defense is on the back foot and, and there's a global pandemic and everyone's getting quarantined and like scoring is prolific and the refs are heavily calling penalties on defensive players, giving offensive players the advantage. And if that continues... A lot, a lot of my thoughts on what 2021 was going to look like is going to look stupid. So I'm just going to say it now again so that I can come back to it uh, next week and see which way the wind's blowing that way. I don't want to for- that forget or hide the fact. I don't think I'd be hiding it, but um, I want to start it here at the start of the season, uh, week one, because that's what I've been thinking, feeling, and kind of basing my assumptions on 2021 around, which I think it might make a lot more sense if we were actually out of a pandemic, turns out we're still in one. So might have been too hopeful in making assumptions based on this being a more regular NFL year instead of another weird one. And so just rolling that out there as number four, I think there's going to be less scoring despite what happened on Thursday. Whew. Um, let's see if that's stupid in a week or two or next week even. After this, this these games are literally about to just play. I might feel very stupid. In 24 hours. Luckily, I enjoy the tilt, so let's find out. Um, number five. Did I come up with one more thinking? No, I just got four thoughts on what I think 2021 is going to look like. I'll throw one out, I guess. I said I was going to think of one. Um, oh, I got nothing. I got no, what Based on one game, what do I think 2020? Oh, no, that's one. That's one I actually meant to put down. Um, I think... Right now, and it's some ideas that I'm pulling from the offseason and just based on game one, I didn't see any real reason to doubt it. I think this might be a veteran year. Last year was a rookie year, to describe it in a sentence, like a lot of young players doing fantastically. I think this year we get a little bit more reminded, not of, you know, the Frank Gores, although Frank Gores always good, obviously. But um, I think we might be a little bit more reminded of the fact that good players like Amari Cooper, that's, I guess, what put it in my head from Thursday night, are good for a reason. They are rare. We do not get them every year, even though we do get a rookie wide receiver doing at least decently every year. We don't get a Justin Jefferson and a C.D. Lamb and so on and so forth and a Donald Mooney every year. Um, And so while last year I think we got reminded that young players, that cycle of talent is very real and it can happen, I think this year reminds us that some of those guys are just different, and we do not see a lot of them comparatively to the number of players we ended up drafting and liking and uh, and, and rooting for in the NFL. And um, I think we get another reminder of that this year, r- right on the back of 2021 being such a really amazing year for those younger players. Um, so yeah, I'm throwing that out as number five. Let's see if that seems stupid in a week. Anyway, um, going to go cut this down. 12 minutes to get it back down to 30, I guess. Um, Thanks for checking it out if you did. I will see you next week when we'll know more or how much stupider I am than uh, everyone else uh, based on those, those five things. Appreciate it and talk to you again next week. On Wednesday. And then again for the Dynasty Crossroads. Sunday, Monday. Sunday, Monday's a goal. All right. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my
my nose, don't really know if I like that Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the place, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the place, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical